0: It says recording.
1: All right, okay. Wave.
0: Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> that was shit. Let's do that again. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's Hi. Jamie and Luke from Front Again. Thanks for checking out our second podcast.
1: Yeah, we interviewed Ayush Patnanda. You would maybe know him better as Yushi uh, on Instagram. He's a really amazing... Up and coming documentary photographer. I've known him for years. We talked to him about everything from how he got started in photography through to taking his camera traveling, uh, winning awards, and going to uni, releasing a book, and um, up to now, the sort of documentary work that he does, and a little bit about, yeah, what all that entails, what documentary photography is. Yeah, and we just talk about a load of other rubbish for about 45 minutes or so
0: but yeah what what an interesting guy really really genuine definitely passionate about what he does not only as a hobbyist as a photographer but in his work life as well yeah he was really really interesting some of the things that he's accomplished is fantastic and some of the things that he continues to do on a daily basis is really inspiring
1: So what else do we want to talk about? Uh, We'll talk about front of a little bit for a minute. We could give everyone an update of where we are. Where are we then?
0: We're rocking and rolling. (laughs) (laughs) We just (laughs) want to give a big shout out, say thanks to everyone who has registered to our mailing list so far. We are getting a lot of questions at the moment about when we're launching. Um, So if you haven't checked out our first podcast, go check that out i'm sure the link will
1: be below or go on our youtube there are many videos up there yeah but if you have checked out our first podcast thank you for doing that and then thank you for watching this one as well we had like more views than we imagined it wasn't like thousand. but we thought we'd have about four yeah and then uh we had more than that so yes yeah. Yeah, so less than a thousand
0: yeah yeah yeah. but yeah if you fancy uh staying tuned obviously subscribe to our youtube channel follow us on instagram and yeah send us a message we will reply to you um but yeah in terms of launch we're still on track in terms of what we're building and what we're working on we still need to go through testing everything but we are we are on track to kind of launch in may is that fair to say
1: yeah yeah we're not saying when in may because yeah.
0: it might be towards the end but, um,
1: at the moment yeah, yeah we're, we're looking at we're looking at some time in may to get the site live so
0: we will be doing another giveaway soon which is exciting um i won't give too much away at the moment in terms of what the prize is but yeah stay tuned for that that'll probably be coming later this week or even starting next week
1: anything else what have you been doing
0: what have i been doing yeah Met with you the other day, didn't I? That
1: was nice. Yeah, socially distanced. Social distance
0: little walk with the dog.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was good. Took some photos. Used yeah, you called your... out the
0: uh, Mamiya uh, RB67 for the first time.
1: Yeah, Is that how you say it? Mamiya?
0: Mamiya? Mamiya, Mamiya. I don't know. Sounds like... How do you matter. say it? How do you say it? You, you tell us. Le- leave a comment. That sounds <laughs> very YouTuberish, rich doesn't it?
1: Yeah, on how to pronounce a word.
0: But yeah, how did you find that?
1: What well, the camera or meeting you. <laughs> um, the camera. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I've never used one of those cameras before.
0: And you're um, developing it. You're developing it and I'm scanning it in.
1: Yeah, it's in my fridge at the moment, isn't it? Oh, All God. 12 shots of it or 10 shots or however many it was. I I developed some films today. That was quite exciting. Always exciting when it actually works. Every time I do it, I have to watch the Sean Tucker explainer video on how to develop film even though i know exactly how to do it
0: i think i've watched watch that, that three times and i haven't got an interest in developing at the moment oh really yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I keep going through stages like yeah i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it um but then yeah, i always send my films to take it easy
1: the thing is when i suppose you've got to spend 100 quid on the kit and stuff but when i do every time i do it i'm like i'm quite lazy so i'm like oh God, do this thing but then you start doing it and it's actually quite fun and then when they're developed you're like wow that's cool i just saved myself like 20 quid sending that off so like once you've developed a few roles you've it's paid for itself it's good fun my daughter helped me do it nice. that was good yeah well she helped twizzle the thing around
0: i'm well, looking forward to seeing the results she had a few messages about people seeing our work. i'm pretty sure well, they are. Our, our own Instagrams are on our profile, aren't they? Yeah. So if you want to see how amazing we us two are, then feel free to, to hit that. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're not going to post any of our work on the front account. That's that's for sharing your guys' work and giving you information about what we're working on. Should we should we crack on with the podcast?
1: So we interviewed Aish last week. Yeah, so a week ago, as this podcast comes out, um, it was a few days after he'd spent a weekend or well I mean he's every day he's at different protests or whatever it might be covering them at the moment but he'd spent a weekend uh covering various protests that were going on and the week before all down in London so we talked to him about all of that and everything else the connection uh wasn't brilliant so the sound quality is um it kind of dips a little bit in places it's not the best but uh you know what can you do at the moment everything's got to be recorded on zoom right so nothing you can do about that so we start off by asking him how did you get into photography simple question
0: yeah it goes from there and obviously go check out his instagram the details will be below
1: Mm -hmm. oh instagram his website everything that he mentions uh the few documentaries we talk about and things like that there's links to everything every photographer that he wants to give a shout out to is also Mentioned in the description as well.
0: It might be worth mentioning as well that he is one of the front ambassadors, so he will be on front from day one of launch. So you'll be able to check out his work and support him in buying prints, buying his prints if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, that will. That's a really good thing to mention, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I don't nice think we talk fun. about it in the interview either, but yeah.
0: No, no, no. Enjoy.
2: Well, I think it started um, around about the time I met or before I met you, um, Luke. I was in college and I was studying like creative media production, which was uh, photography, journalism, uh, filmmaking, uh, PR, marketing. And uh, it was all kind of like, and, and sound and engineering, which is very weird. But um, we I kind of I learned the basics of everything. And I, I I liked photography and I just kind of kept it as a hobby and it was it was always lingering around, especially when I was in college, always taking pictures, always kind of pushing that creative side of me. And then when I left, um I kind of let it loose and started taking pictures of everything.
0: Mm. Did you find it more like when you studied it? Was it like, oh, I want to do this as a profession or did you just enjoy it? like as a hobbyist and something that you were passionate about and you just kind of learn more and more and more from there?
2: But the more the more I learned about it, the more I kind of felt like, oh, I could do this or I could do that. And I remember quite early on, I was, this was uh, quite early on in my like, photography career, I was getting jobs just taking pictures of like, musicians and gigs and I really didn't know that was a profession then and I kind of kept that up and it kind of really set my... My standard to what I do now.
1: Was that before we met you were doing that? Around about the same time. Mm. And that was so that was probably 2014? 15, 15 Yeah. And so we worked together. That's how we originally met. Yeah. But then we found out that we were both into photography. Well, after I left, you left, yeah. and went to uni in Cardiff. That was right. Yep. So what were you yeah. doing at uni?
2: I studied photojournalism, so it was uh, like photography journalism, quite full on. Mm-hmm. But that really said, "Oh, you're now in this course. This is what you're gonna do." And I, I it's what I wanted to learn, I was really passionate about photojournalism. Like past few months of beginning you know, like 2016, I was like, really, really into like the idea of becoming like a storyteller through photography when I started it was um it was really fulfilling for me because I learned the basics in like professional journalism and photography and as well as like given briefs to kind of like let loose in in a city where I had no idea what to do
1: yeah yeah that one that was because you'd never lived there before so is Mm. there is there a way that you could like sum up for anyone who doesn't know, like, what documentary photography is? Is there an easy way to explain it?
2: Uh, I'll, I'll try it. I think it's just, like, archiving, like, bodies of work. So photographing one thing or a group of people for, like, years or months or days and then kind of putting it in, like, a form where you could see it okay. and just having it in order or just archiving, archiving photos
1: yeah so who's like who's the classic you know if you were going to go and look up some documentary photographers who are the most famous ones or the ones that you like the most your favorites
2: oh god there's there's a lot
1: of um or if you were a total beginner let's say like if you were gonna you've got to go and you've never heard of documentary photography before so Mm -hmm. who would you point point us to whose work should you go and oh, check out I'll,
2: I'll keep it i'll keep it welsh then uh david hearn who is a okay. still quite big inspiration for me yeah
1: yeah david hearn yeah. Cool. I right. mm-hmm. i don't think i've heard of him but i will i will go and check it out that's where you did um uh well all the rave stuff so your book <laughs> got really embedded in like the mainly drum and bass was it but like right uh, yeah, all,
3: on, all drum and bass all drum and bass
1: yeah because so yeah so you put your book out what was it last midway through last year yeah around may last year yeah yeah cool so yeah so tell us was that um part of a uni project that kind of carried on or it, it 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 happened
2: completely by
1: accident like um
2: it was around just after freshers in my first year so it was September really early on, and my mum was like kind of grilling me, saying, "Make make sure you don't go like completely out of pocket. You don't blow all your money on clubbing and have something to do, have a job." I saw the same day uh, like an advert on Facebook where this promoter was just asking for a photographer, and I, I was I'm a photographer. How hard can it be? And I kind of hired out equipment from the uni and just went to this rave. Not knowing what it was, I just went to this club and and I was like, oh I'm just going to take pictures the way I take pictures and the promoter really liked it. He invited me back the the weekend and it kind of snowballed just from that just from that day.
0: I suppose that's really nice to you know to go there with no expectation or no kind of um, direction. It's just you're simply there to document what you see in the way that you want to do it and then you know seeing the results from that and people liking it as well that must have been a huge like confidence boost and also you know opens up so many doors
2: mm. oh oh for sure uh, it was so unusual because I didn't know the city and most of these people like either older than me or just live in Cardiff they were like oh I, I haven't seen you before where are you from I'm from London I'm like oh you should come to this show come come to this after party and I'm like they're showing me more about the city than I could ever do and learn. And, like, letting me into shows where massive, massive audiences, massive headline acts, and I'm just there with my cameras, like, still not sure, like, who this guy is or what this venue is. I'm like, this is super overwhelming, but I'm, I was loving it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, as I said, I bet you're enjoying it as well. Like, not, mm-hmm. not not as much pressure on you to do it because you wanted to be there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, because I used to like go to you know, like raves and stuff as a not not anymore, but you know, as a (laughs) young and when I could stay out all night, and it was such a like, there was a kind of always a community spirit, and especially somewhere quite a bit more local, you know, like going out to raves in London, it's a bit of a different thing, like bit less personal maybe but like going to yeah. places in the country is such a good like spirit and really welcoming people so is that was that the same oh, thing sure.
2: yeah yeah for sure like I I didn't like clubbing in London I, I thought that everyone was quite in your face and just violent and then I go to Cardiff and like you see like news stories about raves and you kind of assume the worst and I would go to these clubs not knowing anyone and make friends there, and people come out, like, hugging me, and, like, here's, here's, a, here's some tips, you can have this, or I'll drive you home, or come back to my house, you can stay over. I'm like, this is really nice. People are really nice to it.
0: I guess people are all there for the same reason, aren't they? They're all there for the love of the music, and they want to be there. So, like, they're, you know, it's crazy it might sound from an outsider. It's its own little family, its own little community, isn't it, while you're there, and everyone's there to look after each other and have fun.
1: Hundred percent. You grew up in Kingston or near Kingston, wasn't it?
2: Poundsville, which is near Kingston. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you, I remember you telling me about a club. Is it called like Oceana or something like that?
2: Yeah. Um, Was Prism?
1: Yeah. Prism, right? One of those places that changes its name all the time. But to me, that's like a totally different. That's just go out, get leathered have a fight. You know, go out on the kind of club. Whereas going to, like, German bass or techno or, like, those type of club nights, it's way more about you're there because, like, this club's got an awesome sound system or or because of who's playing or performing or whatever. So, you know, the pictures that I've seen that you took at those club nights, they're not your typical, like, party photographer, you know, like, big yeah. flash. And you, it's way more, yeah, it's got that sort of documentary vibe to it so when was it that you thought right you were going to put a book out about it how long had you been doing it
2: well it wasn't until uh,
1: like the start
2: of 2017 when I realized that I'm no longer going because I want to and people want me in their shows Mm. and they, they were willing to pay which was amazing and I kind of thought I can keep this up and get paid to do something that I'm really interested in. And it led me to kind of force myself to photograph these like shows. And the more I did it, the more I kind of realized pictures matched for each other that I've taken at two different clubs, two different times. And I kind of can piece together like a story and like a sequence. Mm. And I kept shooting and I kept shooting. And then uni finished and I was I'm not in Cardiff anymore and I think that kind of fits well I shot right until I finished university okay
0: so you were working on towards having a book or was it just that you had a huge body of work and you were like well I'm going to try and put something together off the back of this
2: that, that was it and it was kind of because of lockdown I did it I wasn't planning to release anything for like a few years mm-hmm. and like when lockdown Last year kicked off. I was like, I could actually do something now, and I have some free time. I know how to make a book, and I was like, I might as well just put together something.
1: It's awesome. It's really cool because that was think that was when we first started like speaking properly because we hadn't spoke to each Mm. other for a little while. And I think I saw on somewhere weird like LinkedIn or something that you'd won an award a few maybe a year Mm. or two, maybe yeah, like two years ago or even longer now. But yeah. That's the picture behind you, isn't it? I think that you oh, want to yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so what's what is that? What's the is there a name uh, of the picture or what was the award? Yeah. That that helps. Not too awesome. shiny. Yeah. So yeah, twenty eighteen awesome. I am awards winner and you were photographer of the year. Yeah, very, very that that was a weird point. <laughs> I have to leave it down there so it's
2: important. Um yeah, that was that was completely I still don't know how it happened, but it was it was a pretty cool point in my life.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So, who was the picture of? Was it just a random person, or was it someone you know? It
2: was it was um a a guy called Aaron. Um, I was doing this project for university about like tattoo culture,
3: hmm.
2: and like people would like extreme like tattoos, like face tattoos, and I took this picture of Aaron on a phone. And uh, I just entered it in the competition and didn't think much of it. Then went to India, came back, and then my my appendix decided decided to explode. And then and I was in I was in hospital for a few days. Oh, I came goodness. out and and the first email that I checked was from I M saying I was a finalist for the competition.
1: I was so, good. so that was taken a your yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, this one. Nice.
0: (laughs) that that just shows doesn't it It, it's you know people think oh i want to get into photography i haven't got the money to do it you don't need money Mm -hmm. you you just need to to see so you know use your phone you know yeah (laughs) yeah that's amazing i didn't
1: realize that was taking your phone that's really cool
0: (laughs) yeah is that your approach to like a lot of photography like if you were you know if you're shooting non-work related stuff what is your approach to photography when you when it comes to photographing someone
2: else if i if i'm doing like a portrait i want to make people i want to make the person feel as comfortable as possible and i feel if you go there with like four cameras around your neck they're gonna be very standoffish and kind of look at you and like i don't know what i've got myself into and when i'm with a person when i'm with i'm trying to get into like almost a subculture i go in like pretty casual and just act like. I'm just watching them or almost like a, a bird watcher. I say the the people like I'm just going to just shadow you and just you can do whatever and follow you around taking pictures. And if I want to stop you, I will.
1: I suppose you've got to strike a balance as well, haven't you? Like if you just went in with your iPhone to take a photo, it's like it's not enough. But yeah, if you go in with like four, mm. you know, DSLRs around your neck or whatever it might be, then yeah, it's kind of over. Yeah. Uh, I've done this thing called underrated, overrated, might just kind of fall flat on its ass a bit or whatever. But or it could be
0: the next big thing.
1: So you can just say whether you think these things are underrated or overrated. And if you uh, want to explain, feel free why, to explain
0: or feel free just to leave, it. feel free
1: to go. That's a shit question, mate. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, okay. move on. Okay. So first thing underrated or overrated, sin is still overrated. It's, yeah. Oh, I,
2: I hate cine still, but mostly because it's it's such a fashionable thing to shoot, as well as portrait. Like, there's there's better films you can use, and it's just like, I, I think of it as the supreme of films.
1: Okay, <laughs> right.
0: What, what, so just a quick offcut of overrated, underrated. under <laughs> What would be your first choice of film? Like, what film stock uh, would you uh, do? Uh,
1: super boring, HP5. yeah yeah don't go wrong right no keep it British yeah Yeah. (laughs) so next thing on the underrated overrated is Leica overrated okay (laughs) yeah I think
2: as much as I like the idea of having a handcrafted camera like spending almost like 10 grand on a body is like no not at all especially the film like some, I, I would say, Nikon uh, F3, F2, even F4 are far, far superior. Uh, Leicas, I see almost as watches. Pe- people that
1: have Leicas also have nice watches and cars. Yeah. But <laughs> I think Leica is like the Apple of uh, the yeah. camera world because they're like, I want one. I really want... I've got an SLR mm. Leica. It's a really cheap thing. Um, and But, you know, an M... I never was that interested in it. And then I tried out an M10 uh, just in the shop and was like, this is beautiful. I really want it. But <laughs> it's the thing with like, they did the Q2 and then they did the yeah. Daniel Craig version of it. And it's, it's an extra thousand pounds to have it in black with gold, like Bond style oh, markings on okay. it. And I think so uh, on, it, does, it does look nice, but it's not worth an extra yeah. rand. And it's like no, I'm not saying like you can get it in a different color, but it's going to cost you an extra hundred quid or yep. whatever it might be. I think that's what they used to do. But um, I mean, yeah, I'll I'll buy one one day. But yeah, there's um, I'm still getting to grips with other stuff that I've got. Yeah, that's the day that you two will no longer be friends. By the sounds, I'll hit you with my leica. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have to wear my helmet for that. Yeah. yeah. The last thing with about, so underrated or overrated, double exposures. Underrated. Underrated, I'll say. I think there's always that, like, I'll say double
2: exposure in camera, in a digital camera, overrated. But on film, done well, is very hard to do. And I think if you can master it, then tops. Like, fair play to you. Because uh, you're not only doing it on... Make like two different exposures, you need to calculate two different.
0: It's a lot I of math. I completely agree with that. I completely yeah. agree with that because if you're deliberately trying to do it and it works well, like you said, yeah. it could look amazing. And then at the same time, if you do it accidentally and you still get something pretty cool, it's like a win win.
1: Yeah. But I've just finished a role that I'm gonna, yeah, that I do, I've done two roles, I'm gonna develop, I've done some double exposures on. And I think they are probably I think I might have one or two good ones or ideas that I've copied off of the things I saw on Instagram and tried to recreate. (laughs) But let's see whether it works or not. Otherwise I'm just gonna give it up. I was photographing um Brexit marches and that was kind of
2: like the start of like my like almost I say political work, but more like my protest journalism side work. And this is before uni. And when Brexit really kicked off, I was looking at all these protests happening in London and I just couldn't make it down. And the more things happened in Wales and Cardiff, there was like Welsh independence protests, which I went to. And then like football, uh, rugby games, which I photographed, crowds of rugby games. And then that kind of led on to another project where I photographed people around the street of Cardiff after nights out from like 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. Which is which is great, but I, I couldn't get to finish it. But then, um, when I came back to London, I had all of this energy to like see protests and photograph protests, and I was able to because like, the nature of like politics now
0: everything's pretty terrifying, and it was mm. there's protests out every week. So is that something you were passionate about in terms of the protest, or was that like a uh, opportunity to go and document something like this?
2: I, like last year, when when the BLM protest really kicked off and it kind of was at start almost like teaching myself how to work in a new atmosphere, a new crowd when policing is hard and how to like navigate yourself through that.
1: I don't think your work, your protest work, I think it's quite unbiased. I think you're there and you're <laughs> shooting what's happening and I think I've seen you go to and what could be considered like both left wing and right wing, yeah. you know, marches. And I don't look at that work and think that you've got uh an opinion one way. I don't think you're trying to push an opinion. I know that you've got an opinion. 100%. Um yeah. but that that's what I
0: that's what I really like about your work. It's that you're so close to the action, <laughs> yet you're also doing it from a stance that's yeah, further back. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like you see so many other doctors you know other people take photos like that who just stand back and they'll you know have a big lens on or they'll just take it from a distance Mm -hmm. but you are up close in people's faces so with that
1: do you have a particular approach that (laughs) you know is going to come out as a more unbiased view or is it just i don't know luck or whatever
2: (laughs) well i i I I see it as love, but I I know there's a lot of planning that goes into protests. Like the one more left left leading ones, like uh, Extinction Rebellion, it's quite easy to go there and talk to people because people kind of want to make a show out of their protest. It it's quite easy to get pictures and kind of make see things happening. And I don't shoot with like big zoom lenses as a lot of these press photographers do. They have kind of like kit given to them by newspapers that are like 10,000 pounds altogether. And I I shoot with a 24 mil, which is super, super wide. And you can't really get a good picture far away with a 24 mil. So I force myself to be as close as possible. When you see like a different crowd, like I've ended up at like a Tommy Robinson march before. And you kind of have to, I, I almost call it acting. You have to like act the part when some guy questions me, he's like, oh, why are you here, mate? And I'm, I can look at him and I can say, oh, I'm, I'm here for I'm here, for the same reason you are. And he'll say, oh, sweet, man. And he'll just give me a can of beer and walk away. If I told him oh, I'm, I'm a photographer, I know he would have a different reaction. So I'm like, I'm testing the waters. I'm seeing how far I can go and seeing how far people will trust me by being like completely undiscriminate. I, I'm like a chameleon.
0: So good. Like, like I said, I think it shows in your work, you know, to capture the emotions, especially on your close up images to catch certain emotions in not just one, but multiple, multiple people in your photos is so good. And I think that really shows. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting you saying that you use a 24mm lens because I just didn't realise that.
1: Yeah, because you're like, mm-hmm. I think when you see your work, and it's yeah, this wide angle, and I've seen the videos of you, which we'll talk about, but like, you're capturing, like Jamie said, or multiple people's faces. And the other work that I see is from people on a longer lens, and you've got that classic long lens shot where you can kind of tell it was taken a bit further back. There's one thing in focus and everything else got some nice, you know, blurry background or whatever. And they're like great photos, I guess, but they don't really tell you a lot. Focus on that one thing, so you can kind of, you know, I saw somebody posting um, signs that people were holding, and it's like, Well, yeah, that's a message, and that's just one person's sign, whereas it doesn't encapsulate kind of everything the mood of everything that was happening. So it's a really interesting way to shoot it. And you're using the Ricoh, right?
2: I use the Ricoh a lot, yeah, and it's great because people look at me with that tiny camera and think. Oh, he's he's just a small boy with a camera. And yeah. then the moment I see press photographers with two cameras around their neck walk around, these the same people that thought I'm just a essentially a child, they look at these press photographers and think they're the enemy. Yeah. Especially more the right leading process.
0: Yeah. Just so, another great reason to buy a car, I reckon.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, your... <laughs> it, it's thought... a great camera. We've all got one here, haven't we? yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so you've got to be on the way to becoming like rico ambassador then a gr ambassador oh, surely. So. Yeah, <laughs> we'll
3: just going back to
0: that because when you take like if you think of people who take photos of like you know portrait photography and landscape photography you're looking for you know a certain moment or a certain bit of light to be able to capture the best way you can even with street photography yeah you can walk around all day snapping away and but even when you walk around doing street photography you are still looking for certain things that will be attractive in that photo or how you want to express it but when it comes to documentary you don't really have that luxury because you're trying to capture what's going on at the scene not so much about getting the photo to look good you're, you're you're documenting right so is there anything that you have to you know is there any times that you've taken photos and you just can't use them or you wish would have come out better or is it just a case you're focusing on purely documenting what's going on and then you've got so many photos you have to just select them I,
2: I think it's both like I, I kind of especially when being in like a situation like a protest or a rave I kind of just almost see as i'm walking in circles and circles and just following i see something and i follow that and i photograph that and i turn around and photograph that and i kind of just keep on going and going and going and i try not to especially now in protest i try not to make myself a part of the protest especially if it if it's something i believe in i i make it like i'm i'm here to document i'm here to show my support but i'm here to document mm. and even even if it's the kind of extreme protests like the one that happened uh, over the weekend, I I kind of make it apparent that I'm just there, not even participating. Because the moment you kind of vocalize something, people will react to me differently. Okay. So I, I'm I'm just I'm just there to like photograph. I'm not part of any movement, and I don't I don't want to be seen like that because I'm just a documentary photographer
1: mm. so you've always got your yellow coat and like sometimes wearing a bike <laughs> helmet your famous yellow yeah. coat. you've been on like bbc news i've seen you on with that in the background yeah. but it's, like it's, so a good, it's a good thing to wear it keeps yeah, me in a
0: spotlight keeps you on edge but yeah it's uh but you're making yeah, it clear oh, yeah. and uh, yeah, who, who thought i'd be on the news getting clothes lined by a policeman
1: but... <laughs> yeah so do yeah. you feel wearing that yellow jacket do You get more respect from the police? Do you get less respect from the police? Oh, no
2: respect at all. The police, I I'm
1: sure police used me as target practice. What was the protest you were at this Saturday, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was the uh it was basically a party for the one year anniversary of lockdown.
0: That was Saturday the twentieth, wasn't
2: it? Yep, Saturday twentieth. Yeah. It was anti-lockdown, anti-mask, and anti-vaccine. All as one, all in one place. Yeah, they they kind of fall under the same umbrella, same roof,
1: and was, and they were kind of all over London because I know they were in Hyde Park, but I saw them at Downing Street maybe. As yeah, well. there family?
2: was so many people, um, but they kind of spread across uh, all of London, and the protest location wasn't given until like the last ten minutes, and by that time, there was too many people spread across London, but kind of fell into each other and then got broken up by
1: police and then just landed back at Hyde Park. And then so you ended up in Hyde Park as well, kind of late afternoon?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: so there's a video, we'll, we'll put a link to the video that you shared with me um, and the relevant, I think it's about four minutes in. So yeah. that was some of the po- photos. So what is it today? What's the date now? 24th of March. Some of the photos you've posted today are from that March. Were really, really yep. powerful shots. Really um evocative of like I think of the mood on the day probably. Yep. Um but yeah, but tell us what happened to you. Oh, well, um <laughs> I we me and like a group of five
2: photographers, six of photographers, we made our way back to Hyde Park and we saw just like clouds of smoke grenades going off. And we were like, oh cool, we're gonna miss the action, let's run to it. We're all photographers we're running carrying our cameras and by the time we got to where the big crowd was the smoke has cleared and when the smoke cleared i kind of saw a line of police marching through it and then i saw i saw bottles being thrown and i was like, okay this is why i brought a helmet i don't want to get bottled i don't want to get hit unexpectedly put on my trusty tony hawk helmet and um started, started photographing and I think, like I mentioned, it everything kind of got really like loud and intense, and you kind of don't know what to think. You can feel your heart beating and your adrenaline pumping, and you see these protesters shout vile things at police, and these police kind of get more and more angry, and kind of like slowly start to get really almost like at breaking point, and then more bottles are being thrown, and then I'm kind of I'm edging my way to the edge of the police line to my right and then um a police commander shouted charge at the crowd and i was in the crowd and they went straight into me popped me in the head i kind of like woke up with these two
1: officers like pulling me out that was terrible wasn't it yeah and you can see it happen in the video and you kind of get knocked off to the side of the screen and then yeah you can't really tell where you've gone and then the next thing you see is you kind of holding your head with a policeman. Yeah I don't know. Are they helping you at that point? Or are they just kind of trying to push you out of the way or I think they were helping me because I have like a official press pass. Police
2: shouldn't really journalists Yeah. Um and, and the fact that I had the pass that meant the mentor men was protect photographers and journalists doing their job. Mm. So I think they had to and they they saw like a yellow cubs man on the floor they're like i always pick him up from the side
0: yeah it definitely looked like that when you get out of the way but mm -hmm. but yeah that that video i watched it earlier it it was mind-blowing but yeah again it goes back to my respect for you being on you know (laughs) front line you know and then you can see you can see in the video you there taking photos i'm just like that's that's insane yeah, yeah. And uh, cool. I'm not sure how much you can see in the video,
2: but I'm holding my press card in one hand and a camera in the other. So I'm like putting my card to the police officer's face. It's like, don't hit me, please. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not sure if the video pick uh, the video didn't even pick up what happened after that, which was um I was photographing a woman getting arrested. And I was like, I didn't want to stay still after I was knocked down because I know the moment I kind of rest, the moment it', it Everything will hit me and I wouldn't want to photograph. So I kind of had to push myself. Like, I'm going to carry on going a bit, a bit roughed up. Start photographing this woman getting arrested. And out of nowhere, a crowd forms around this woman and a man just punches a police officer. I'm like, okay, I'm photographing that now. And then out of nowhere, from behind me, comes a right officer
1: with a right shield,
2: knocks me over again.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. Really. And what happened after you got knocked down? I I was more more hurt and angry that the right officer did that because the the police
2: officers kind of dealt with it and the the officers that knocked me down initially were called TSG police and these are the ones like these are the, I call them meatheads because they're all insane and these are the ones that go into like protests crowds like deal with football hooligans. A really dispersed crowds, and they know how to like intimidate people. Mm. But um, these riot officers, I haven't actually seen them in London, and which is alarming because I don't know how they will react to protests or like a group of people. But um, getting knocked down from behind with a with a huge chunk of plastic, and then having them like almost tread over me, then fall over, and then call me an idiot. It's like there's no need for that there was no need to charge for me and another photographer mm. who was besides me and you kind
1: of can see the mentality where when they start to panic they just go straight ahead and attack a, a crowd wow so does it make you you say feel angry about it does it make you kind of when that happens clearly like that's not an okay thing to do what yeah can you do can you like I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive, but like, take their number and report them.
2: Yeah, and... well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, like with my uh, press card, I have like a union support. Okay. So I, I normally like, oh, what officer did that? And the officer was, oh, it was this guy. I'll take his badge number and saying, oh, gonna just. What's your name? What's your badge number? And once they give you the badge number, you have the details where they're based, who's their sergeant, and I tell that to like my union and they would say they can see if they can do anything but because i couldn't get the badge number of the officer that knocked me down that that twice i couldn't do anything and i wasn't hurt i was just quite i was more i was more annoyed that it happened especially i now
1: i have like official credentials saying police officers can't attack journalists of course they've got this kind of i don't know what is it like an oath they shouldn't hurt press i mean it seems pretty straightforward you're there to document what's mm. going on but if you're a police officer you sign up for you know being held accountable for what you do minute to minute or second to second mm. in that sort of situation i think this yeah. is why
0: it goes back to the importance of documenting events like this and especially like you said you know you're not you're not there to make it look like a certain way you're there to document what's going on and how it is and i think that yeah. really does reflect in the imagery um So, when you've been to whatever event it is, it doesn't have to be a protest, it doesn't have to be a rave, whatever it might be. Obviously, you're sitting on a lot of photos. Do you have a certain way of selecting the images, or is it just a case of looking through them and looking for ones that you're most drawn to, or is it something else? You know, are you thinking about how it's going to be portrayed? Only like two things I go through. Um,
2: If I'm sent there to like cover it by like a like Vice or Huck magazine, I, I normally send like a selection of like 10 to like 50 images off to them straight away because they need it for immediate use. But then I always give myself some breathing space, like away from the pictures. So I don't, I remember images that I've taken on the day, but oh, that's a really good picture. I'm going to use that one. But I also wait until I forgot about the images I, I took and just spend a few days just not looking at it, not really worrying or caring about it, and then when I finally ready, I go for it and saying, "Oh, that's a good picture. That's a good picture." I I haven't realized I took that picture, and it kind of is refreshing because I don't I don't remember. I I don't force myself to be. As soon as I take it, I edit and send it up, or upload it up to Instagram. I give my space, I give myself time to like really let the images mature, almost. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think- it's strange you say that because I think that's what I do with my photography and I'm not doing anything nearly as powerful yeah. as what you're doing. But I find <laughs> nice that, you know, that's why I like shooting film because I have to wait, you know, like I have to wait for those images to yeah. come back. But even with that's digital, great. yeah, and even with digital, I try not to, because let's say I go out and take 30 photos, of, you know, digital photos, I guarantee that I'll come back and I'll like almost 30 of them, but... If I sit on them for twenty four hours, twenty nine of them I'm going to hate the next day. Like it's just how it works. Exactly. I think with a lot of the
1: pictures that you posted from the weekend, they've got an amazing this kind of like kinetic energy. It reminded me of, do you know William Klein? He's like an old yes, yes. Right, right. So I'll, uh, I think he's got a website or something. I'll put a link there to in the description for anybody who's not heard of him before but he's an amazing photographer and he has this brilliant quote that is i can't remember what it is but it's something along the lines of i would prefer something to be like not technically a great photo but an interesting mm-hmm. image than a perfect photo yeah and you know what and not be very interesting to look at and his work is like that he's got all these blurry images and um they're not technically in focus or he shot on a really wide lens and he was really close up and he didn't care if an image was a little bit too blurry or whatever he would still use it and I think that there was a couple of photos in the ones that you posted earlier today that had that similar kind of thing like you could see you know it was like slightly blurry or whatever it might be but there was so much like energy and, I don't know, passion or rage or whatever it was <laughs> encapsulated in that image. It was um, great, really powerful. Um, it's like the, so much
0: depth that you kind of forget about the photography for a second, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, then, you, so you're looking at it for as long as you look at it. I, I was looking for them for ages earlier. I was, <laughs> I was trying to, you know, I can picture myself being there. Mm. And then I take a step back and I'm like, actually that's a really good photo as well do you know what I mean so like yeah but I was just wondering if they're all like that or if they you know if there is a selection process with it
2: well it, it was that that kind of moment was a bit it happened so quickly and I I was like I'm just going to just take pictures and kind of not try to think about it mm. and you can see the, the moment where an officer like hit like hits me and I'm, I'm and there's a picture there I, I think I've uploaded it um but it's just a completely blurry picture, but you can make out an officer's essentially right in front of me. Mm. And I'm like almost going down. And it's now there's context to the picture. It kind of makes more sense about what was happening, how how it happened, and kind of means more, especially to me. Like how I didn't stop shooting until I was face down in the grass.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's that picture you can see like the forearm of the mm. of somebody in front of you and if you're considering you're shooting that on that of that massive wide yeah lens they've got to be so close to you to get yeah. that you know that arm that close in the picture mm. it's amazing and it kind of it, it's all it's a logical step forward again from like the rave stuff and the work that's in Completely. your way to the grave book you can tell yep. that there's like a step on from what you're doing—it's obviously still your work, but it's kind of this kind of logical progression. So, what's next? Like, what's your plans to do next? Carry on protests, and or you've yeah. got other plans.
2: I think I think you're right. Like, there's definitely something that is very similar to like protest and ropes. and it 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 makes sense to me. Like, there's something about the crowds and also like, the mob mentality in, in both less mm. of the raves but definitely more like energy that is like really similar i've realized and how crowds move and people move and it's like learning to move with them it is something that i'm kind of trying to piece together maybe okay. it's definitely long term but um i'm i'm trying to do some pro- like quite local projects almost like a lot a say lockdown project but a bit more based around me just purely because of the lockdown and just, just mm. walking which is something quite different very almost traditional documentary photography which is very different to me um but then use this protest work as like a step ladder to kind of meet interesting people and like kind of get into subcultures and get into situations where police are trying to hopefully not crack my head open I remember when I first started doing protests, like BLM, early BLM stuff was uh, around May, June last year, and I kind of was panicking because I didn't know what to do. And then by like September, there was almost there like was almost like a pro far right protest, and I was just at the front, and these officers were like getting knocked down, getting bottled, and I was still there, just taking pictures. And now. I kind of have taken all of that in even from the weekend. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of now know I'm finding a rhythm, finding a beat, and I'm kind of like really finding my stride and process.
0: I think it shows as well. It definitely shows in your work. And you know, like you said, someone next to you could be talking to you saying, Oh, why are you here? You know, I'm here for the same reasons you and you're like, this isn't my first rodeo pal I've been to a few of yeah. these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: we t- mentioned a bit a minute ago about like shooting on film and shooting on digital. So like, what are you shooting at the moment? What ca- what are your kind of cameras of choice and between digital and film? I love the
2: Rico Rico, I think is a camera that you can carry anywhere and in a protest, in a rave. It's so inconspicuous. Like no one will question you unless they're a photographer yeah. and they're like, Oh, that, that's a weird looking travel camera. How much is that? And you're like, oh 10 pounds. I'm like, oh, cool. See ya. No <laughs> yeah. one will really no one really know. And it it works so well and you could do so much with it. And the more you use it, you kind of really teach yourself fundamentals of like photography.
1: Yeah.
2: But I, I do love film. Um, I've been shooting a lot of uh Polaroid recently, actually.
1: Okay. Which is cool. great.
2: Okay. It's very expensive, but um, I've been taking a few uh, portraits in Polaroid, which I, I love because it's
0: super nostalgic. Again, I suppose you've got to find that balance because you clearly love the documentary style, but then mm-hmm. you clearly still have a passion for photography. It's not yep. just while you're there, you know, working. So the fact that you, you know, will shoot film sometimes just shows how dedicated you are to the craft of not just what you're there to do, but for your passion as well. And yeah. that will only ever show in your work, I think.
2: Last year, there was the like 10 day stretch of Extinction Rebellion protests in London. And for that whole time, I carried a Mamiya RB in my bag, which is stupidly heavy. It was like 10 kilos. And I was carrying that nonstop. And I, I think I just took four pictures over 10 days. I was like, I'm happy with those pictures, but I'm like, it was the joy of just like fr- seeing, oh, that could be a picture, framing it up, and then like, oh, I'm not taking a picture of that and putting it back. It was <laughs> uh, it was, it was really fulfilling. I yeah. can
0: appreciate it. I've literally just bought that camera, and there uh, oh, is no way so I'm, going, I'm going on anything like that holding that. I'm so scared so of good. dropping it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm it, still at the it well, I'll only shoot it on a tripod at the moment.
2: No, I, I only shoot it handheld. To be fair, they're, yeah. they're really strong. It's all metal,
1: so it, it wouldn't drop it on my foot. That's what I'm saying. It would, it would yeah. be really bad. So would you ever shoot a protest on film? Or is it not really? Yeah, I, I, I will do. I have done as well. But okay. I feel
2: I'm, I'm very impatient. Like I give myself time to let images breathe. But if I was to like develop it, I would be really furious about how I shot it, even more so than I was, because I'm like, oh, I could turn this colour image black and white, or I can use this crop. But if it was film, I'm like, I need to be precise. Yeah. And yeah, which, which, which scares me more, especially in a protest.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got so much more chance of missing something. And it's kind of, I guess, I think the reason for using film nowadays is because you enjoy... You know, like the process of taking a photo and thinking yeah. about it on film. So it's kind of not exactly the right medium, is it? If you're, um, if you're at a protest. So okay, so quick fire. Who first question? Who do you think is the hardest working photographer today?
2: Ooh, this this is the tough one because I think I. I don't want to say myself because that's that sounds too too pompous so i'm gonna say same <laughs> photographers that i i really shoot
1: uh
2: uh with i think christian cross yeah uh craig Bernard, super hardworking uh i'll send over his account really interesting photographer he basically goes around protests and like events carrying like a strobe flash mm. and like, he, he's been he's been photographing like almost every single protest in London for, like, the past like three, four years. Yeah. And he's just always there, which is, like, super, super crazy. And he just turns up and shoots with, right. like, this huge, huge flash on, a, on, a, on like a tripod, on a monopod, sorry, taking, like, really tight portraits of people.
1: Okay. So it's really,
2: really, really dif- different work, but
1: amazing. Is he kind of like Bruce Gilden, but less offensive?
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah that's, that's a good way to say it, yeah.
2: The photographers I normally shoot, i have like, protest with, like, we normally meet in a group and just keep eyes on each other, and we all do our own thing, kind of don't get in each other's way, but, like, uh, I'll have to send you all of their names, it's, like, too much. There's, like, the on Instagram, the East London photographer, he just does really unique portraits, unique pictures. I'm just, I'm just seeing if I can get people up now before I get them and they really try to fight me um <laughs> oh my goodness uh there's a photographer called joe Daniel who's really good he does like again portraits okay uh oh my goodness you can i'm really inspired yeah i'm really inspired by, yeah. Yeah. Really in inspired by photographers around me who are just we all kind of like work together and gel together so it's hmm. it's just too many of them mentioned
0: if you photograph with people you have that certain bond yet and you mm. want yeah. you want to all look after each other but it's cool that you've selected people that you kind of know or uh, close close to mm.
2: yeah, yeah. It, i i see it almost as like we when we when we're out we're out together as a group but also as individuals so we always push each other and we're like oh you can get that picture i know you like harsh shadows and portraits and always oh we can get this picture instead and we kind of help each other as well so yeah we're all we're all fairly fairly cool and hard
1: working that's cool but but yeah. you're from what i get from that is if you could say yourself you'd say yourself right oh yeah yeah 100 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so next question quick fire question who's your favorite all-time photographer and that can be living or dead
2: oh uh vivian
1: mayer Okay, cool. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I suppose we've all seen the documentary and everything. Yeah. Like, amazing. Um, yeah, really, really yeah. cool. I'll put a link to that Finding Vivian Mayer documentary just for anyone who's not Great seen it. It's got to be on like you know, whatever. So <laughs> totally moving away from photography, so your top three all-time, I think this is a hard question but top three all-time albums?
2: Brutalism, Idols.
1: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um.
2: Return to Jungle by Jason by John Mays, and um,
1: we must become pitiless sensors of ourselves by John Mouse. Isn't he? Isn't he a bit problematic nowadays?
2: Uh, yes and no. I don't think he's he's super insane, but he's 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 a lecturer in politics. Okay, okay, and he's he's got like a doctorate in it, so I don't think he's super pro-Trump. Just to say no. that.
1: Okay. <laughs> no, yeah.
2: Uh, his music's great.
1: Yeah, I do you know. I've <laughs> never really. I know. I know about him from some like yeah. weird. I can't remember this Instagram account I follow called like Weird Music something or other, and they always talk yeah. about him. But I've never really listened. And then the other one, top three movies. Oh, um, Drive. Okay, good soundtrack. Uh, great soundtrack. Uh,
2: Parasite oh. and um, The
1: Raid. Oh, that's a great choice. That's definitely in my top, like when I say seven, it's always on my list, which is a real thing. Yeah. I have on my phone, I've got like top 10 and then top seven. And sometimes I move things around, but also they're like categorized and have it for all albums, (laughs) bands, songs, films, directors, books. The raid is awesome. Yeah. Such so good. amazing film. Have you watched Parasite in black and white? Because there's a black and white version of it. What? <laughs> Don't <laughs> way. <wait. laughs> yeah, it's on it's on Amazon again, I think. It's like yeah. it's he recut it or recut it. He recolored it into black and white, editing, you know, each scene as he saw fit to um, as he said, accentuate the shades of grey within the story, which I think is quite wow. a, a thing to say. But like Bong joon you've got to trust him. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's an interesting experience to watch and always a great film to rewatch. Really so yeah, yeah, check it out.
0: So I was just to say, is there anything you want to leave, like, you know, like, leave a message? I'm sure we'll meet up again soon enough and we'll, we'll catch up. But Yeah, is there anything you want to say at the moment, anything you're currently working on, anything you want to just get out there, uh, or anything you want to say to people that are getting into photography or already following you, whatever it might be?
2: Students photography, or just, like, taking pictures in general. Never stop shooting and always have a camera with you. Yeah. Wherever you go, just always carry something. If it's your phone, if it's your phone. If it's a Mamiya RB, it's that, but have something on you.